Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. Today we're going to conclude the part three of Wisdom of Preparation. The first week, if you hadn't listened to the first two parts of this message, I'm going to do a fast recap. Part one was all about Joseph and how Joseph went from being a dreamer and persecuted by his own family, being sold out by his brothers into a pit, then sold into human traffickers, then sold by human traffickers, then put into slavery in the Potiphar's house, had to overcome temptation with Potiphar's wife. Then he was thrown back in prison. He's a prisoner. He was faithful, interpreting dreams, not complaining, just trusting God. And then when Pharaoh has a dream, he's the only one that could interpret it. Pharaoh has a dream that there's gonna come seven years of famine or seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And the only one that could interpret wasn't the astrologers and the magicians and the wise men. The only one was, G- was Joseph. I want you to be like Joseph. Many of you seem insignificant. And maybe you're in a prison or a pit and sold out by your family. And God says, be faithful and stop complaining and numbing out in the num num hotel. And he wants to promote you, but you're in a prison. But God in an instant can take you from the prison to palace. Yeah. You just have to be willing to change your shirt and cut your hair. He shaved, changed his clothes, and he was before Pharaoh. Next thing you know, Joseph interprets the dreams and he's put in charge of all the economy. So he goes from a prisoner, he goes from all the persecution, but he has a promise on his life, just like you do. And now because of wisdom and supernatural revelation as a dream interpreter, he's in charge of an idolatrous nation's economy. Wouldn't God do it? Yes, he would. Some of you are in constant complaining about the world around us and the political system, and you feel like you're in prison in Egypt. That's what it feels like sometimes. But if you'll be faithful where you're at and prepare for what lies ahead, God will promote you. There's no time for preparation when promotion comes. You're either ready or not. Now is the time to prepare. And we talked more about preparing in the natural. We looked at the ant, how the ant would prepare six months in advance for winter time. And it only, a lot of ants only live six months, but it's still preparing for the winter. And it doesn't have a king, a leader, a ruler. No one's telling it what to do. But we have Jesus and we should be prepared for what lies ahead. And I discovered that through um, apocalyptic freezes, apocalyptic pandemics, apocalyptic economies, apocalyptic shutdowns, that through all of those things, so many of you just simply were not prepared. And we find ourselves in depression, anxiety, worried, more alcohol, more drugs, more numbing out, more struggles, more challenges. And then when the hard times hit and financial hard times hit and the freeze hit, You weren't prepared. And so we talked about being prepared in the natural, buying a few extra of everything. Have an extra couple of things, right? Nobody right now is thinking about really having extra toilet paper. Some of you are because it was, you know, so disruptive of your life. But when the the, the store shelves are stocked, when the propane's available, when you can buy firewood because it's hot outside, When you can have extra things that you need, be prepared now because greater storms are coming. And if all of us have extra, you might have something I need and vice versa. And now we become one big jigsaw puzzle providing for each other because you're gonna need each other. And the last thing is those very people that don't know the Lord that don't like you or don't talk to you are gonna need you. And now by providing a meal or some gas or some firewood and maybe a prayer, the door will be opened for you to preach the gospel to them because everybody's gonna be looking for hope in what's coming. And we should all be ready at all times to give an answer for the hope that's inside of you. Now, some of you don't have hope yet. You're just barely trying to make it. Barely overcoming drugs and alcohol and addictions and loss of a job and living paycheck to paycheck. I get it. I, I have personally been there in all of those things. But you'll get stronger. You'll get healthier. And the things you don't have now, there's a lot of people here that can give it to you. Because there's a lot of people with an ample supply of the spirit, of life, comfort, hope, and even resources. Isn't that awesome? Yeah! Woo! 
So we talked about being prepared in that dynamic. And then last week I talked about uh, how God will strip things away out of your life so that you'll only put your trust in him, not your possessions or your things or even your relationships. And in Luke 9 and 10, he sent out the 12 disciples and then he sent out 35 teams of two, 75 uh, disciples to go where he was about to go and to heal the sick, cast out demons and break out all the people that are oppressed from the enemy. We talked about that you should know the authority that's inside of you. One of the greatest deceptive lies of the enemy is to get you to not believe what's in you. When you give your life to Jesus, you get a full grown Jesus living in you. You get all of him at one time, but now you enter into a process of discovery, but you have authority over the enemy. That's why you have to stop opening the door and you have to shut the door. You have to shut the flesh down. I know what some of y'all thought I was going to say. Shut the flesh down. I get it. But if you keep sowing to the flesh, you're going to be a snowball effect of me, 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 me. My flesh, lust, alcohol, drugs, sex, money, careers, jobs, things. Me, me, me. Me, myself, and I. But when you start sowing to the Spirit, you start reaping from the Spirit, you get a little stronger, like being here today. And that always showing up. I'm going to tell you right now, Never stop showing up. You're always, got, just keep coming, keep pressing, keep, don't give up. Even if you bomb it, blow it, fail it, and burn every bridge down, pick yourself back up and don't give up and keep going. I'll tell you that a thousand times, because that was me. And I've wanted to quit a thousand times over, but I didn't. So we talked about how God strips everything away from us so you can know who you are and that your trust is not in your stuff. Because if you're trusting your career and your jobs and your stuff, God has a way, like, I really saw through the beginning of coronavirus that it was an opportunity now to get back to the Sabbath, get back to rest, get back to what matters the most, family. People were having to spend time at home that never spent time with their kids. And so God has this way. I'm not saying God caused that, but it's a good example, and he might have, but it's a good example of understanding that God doesn't want you to trust your stuff or your things. He wants you to trust him. So he sends them out, don't take extra money, don't, don't even take your money, your wallet, or your purse. Don't take a sword or your gun. Don't pack your bags. Just come as you are and watch what I can do. I will provide for you, and many times I'm gonna use somebody else to do it. Here's a big important part of that is many of you don't like leaning on other people. You watch your own back. I don't need anybody. And that's not how God works. Oftentimes, you have the resource that I need, and if I don't humble myself, I'm gonna miss what God wants to give me through you. And that's why God said, don't be like the Jehovah Witnesses. Don't be like a Mormon. Don't go house to house. But when you go to a house and they receive you, stay there. And whatever they feed you or give you to drink, eat it and drink it. And stay in that house and build relationships. Nothing matters more than relationships and family in this hour. We're gonna need each other. And God wants us to be unified. And that's true discipleship. We don't need massive numbers of salvations. What we need is people that can care for the people. Because even if we have that, which I want that, but there's still the and then what? Everybody say, and then what? Who's gonna disciple them? Who's gonna raise them? Who's gonna grow them? Who's gonna teach them? Who's going to change their diapers? Everybody say, I am. Because that's what family does. That's what family does. And so we talked about how once you, if you put your trust in stuff, then you'll look to your stuff to save you. Because even in preparing in the natural, if you buy pallets of 25-year food and a flood comes and washes it all away, if the, if the dollar is completely devalued and it means nothing, what good? So I want you to have a plan, have extra food, have extra water, have extra stuff, save some money, get debt free, but don't put your trust in your stuff and never worry or fear, put your trust in him. Because more than the lilies of the field and more than the sparrows of the air, God cares about you. Amen. He's your dad. Amen. He knows what you need before you even ask for it. And if you're worried about clothes and food in the future, if you're worried, you're gonna have anxiety. 
right here, just like the world has. But Christians should not have anxiety. Now, I know a lot of you battle anxiety, social anxiety, all kinds of anxiety. But here's what I want you to know is God can heal that. And you need to start believing that God can heal you. And the more you get your mind renewed and the more you get around normal people that love you for who you are and don't and love you in the midst of your mess and don't shame you, the easier it is to come out. Sometimes that takes time. That's why we have to build a normal family that's not weird religious. So people can come in here and work through their stuff. And I get it. Some of you are working through it. I've had people run out of services and come back and run out and come back. And sometimes it's the same people running out and coming back because we love you. We care about you. And then finally, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus says, okay, now you've been trained. Now you've been prepared. Now you're a disciple, not just a believer. You didn't just get your passport stamped. You're actually a disciple now. You're bringing heaven to earth, not just making it to heaven. He says, now that I've shown you, taught you, trained you, you've been persecuted, you've watched me, you've done it with me when we fed the 5,000. He says, now I'm sending you out right before he ascended. So in the next six days, right before he ascended, he said, now I'm sending you out as sheep, lambs among wolves. Not for you to be devoured. God doesn't want you to be devoured by the wolves of the world. He wants you, God can use a lamb to save save a wolf. That's the way the kingdom works. And by the way, sell your coat and buy a sword because it's not about aggression, it's about protection. We must protect our families. Tyranny's gonna come. But he said, take your extra money, take, pack your bags because you're on a journey and perilous times are about to come. Got that? It's the wisdom of preparation and now I will lead you to today. The final conclusion of this series. And my hope and my prayer is in six months, a year, because I don't want a hurricane to come. I don't want floods to come. I don't want an economic collapse. I'm not rooting that our government would be tore down. I want them to be saved and bring life, right? I don't want to go through the crisis, but chances are likely hardships are going to come. Okay, so we've all been forewarned to be prepared. Take steps now, but never walk in fear. Be prepared to give it away. You're not going to isolate and hunker down You may for a moment, but then you're going to rise out and you're going to help other people to overcome the hardship, okay? So for today, we're going to talk about how things aren't always going to look the way you think they should. And if you're not prepared for it to look differently, you're going to get frustrated when it happens. Because in our mind, Jesus should do something a particular way. In our mind, it's always black and white, and these are the 10 steps, and it works the same way for everybody. If he did it for me that way, that's the way it's going to be for you, but it doesn't always work that way. Jesus often does things much different than we expect. And so we have to check our expectations. We have to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. And so seriously, the times are coming, so let's be prepared. Let's be prepared for what looks or what's going to happen in the world around us, but also in us. Things are going to be different. So we have to always be looking. The Bible says to always look and to be sober-minded. This is the problem with drugs and alcohol is if it leads you to drunkenness and, the, and checking out and not being sober-minded. People tell me all the time, I shared this recently, what do you think about pot? I said, what does the Holy Spirit tell you? What do I think about alcohol? What does the Holy Spirit tell you? Because you want me to tell you what's right or wrong when really you need to hear from the Lord for yourself because the truth is if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, he's gonna show you what it really means to be sober-minded. Because some of you have real addictive personalities. One drop leads to a bottle. One toke leads to a bag. Whatever it is, or, or next thing you know, you're in a habit. And the challenge is, is if you're leaning on it because I had a really bad day or things are so hard, what it is is you're now checking out to find something else to comfort you when Jesus wants to be your comforter. Yeah. Understand? But the bigger issue is always sober-mindedness because you have to be alert. Say, I have to be alert. Say, I have to be watchful. I have to always be looking. I have to be aware. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to be caught unaware. I shared the story with you about the reggae club. When I, after I'd given my life to the Lord, I'm bumping to dance hall music, drinking margaritas and Coronas, and I had a vision of Jesus coming back right at that time. Lights through the window, I heard the trumpet sound, and I said, God, not now, please, Lord. Now's not the time. 
And I never want to be caught like that, ever. And I don't want you to either. So God says constantly be watchful. He says constantly be aware. He says constantly pay attention so that you don't get caught off guard and that you don't get sidetracked. We have an outward and an inward responsibility when it comes to preparation. You have an outward and an inward responsibility. So today being Palm Sunday, six days technically before the uh, crucifixion, Passover actually started yesterday and runs through next weekend. But many Christians all over the world are celebrating Palm Sunday. And I'm not gonna actually read to you the whole story of Palm Sunday and I'm not gonna do a detailed teaching on it. I've done that before in 2015, titled The Triumphant Entry Into Our Hearts. It should be on our podcast, hopefully. If not, we'll get it put back up. But I am gonna talk about something in the context of Palm Sunday as far as thinking that Jesus is gonna do something or be something different than what he was, okay? Because the very people that were laying royalty, kingly palm branches and their clothes at his feet within a week were shouting, crucify him. Right. Why? Well, kings don't ride on donkeys. Kings ride on horses. And they didn't expect Jesus to come in. Let's not say all of them, okay? Zechariah 9.9 is an Old Testament prophecy, one of 350 prophecies that teach and tell about the Messiah coming on a donkey. But it's possible not everybody knew that scripture. It's possible. And I could just see the people laying their palm branches and their clothes down going, wait a minute, he's on a donkey? Should, this isn't right. But, I, but still, he's healed the sick, cast out demons, fed 5,000. He's done everything a Messiah should do. I'm still gonna lay it down. As long as he does what I think he should do. This is the deceptive trap. As many of you are looking for a 90-day money-back guarantee, I'll come to the Lord if he does this. Or we look at coming to Christ as living the American dream or a much happier life and that everything's gonna go good. When the truth is, is God strips things away and calls us to die, come on. which we heard about from our good friend, Dr. Keith Rose, a few weeks back, die, 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 die. There's nothing great about that. In the, in the initial, but what comes in the after is. That's right. But even then, our life is still a life of denial. And so they, in Palm Sunday, you should know the story. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem at Passover. Here he comes on a donkey, and people are throwing their clothes down, throwing down palm branches, and what are they saying? Hosanna! Glory to God in the highest, the son of David, Hosanna. You know what Hosanna means? It means save us now. But most theologians actually believe what they were saying wasn't save me from my own self and sins, but rather saying save us from the oppressive Roman regime. Why? because they wanted to see the promise of God from the Messiah come and Israel be raised up. And they were, they were literally in full-time oppression with the Roman guards and the centurion soldiers. It was a nation in slavery. So they wanted more than anything to be set free for their nation. But the truth is, is if you don't want God to save you for your, from yourself, then when God doesn't do what you think he should do, you'll be shouting, crucify him. You'll be that, those people one day saying, God, I surrender all. But now I have to walk through all these struggles and overcoming, and I have to say no to those friends. I have to learn to overcome the alcohol and the drugs and get in family and work through shame and stuff. And yeah, you're instantly saved, but there's a process of growth like a tree. And if you have these expect, unrealistic expectations of God, and when he doesn't do what you think he should do, when you think he should do it, and you say, yeah, but God said, but he didn't. We start to forsake him. And you may not get on Facebook and post, crucify him. But you will in your heart. And you know how you do it in your heart? You start to doubt him. You start to question him. You start to not believe anymore. 
because he didn't do something the way you thought he would. Listen, God always does what he says he would do. He just does it in his way and his time. Not yours. And trust and commitment and faithfulness and discipleship. But when you come to the Lord, he takes you just as you are. And then he works on you. So that's why I say, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't stop. Come into the light. Come on, step into the light. There's no shame here. We're gonna love you. I get it. You may have done the stupidest thing you ever should have done ever in your whole life and burned a thousand bridges down. And you may have been so on fire. And last night you threw it all away in a moment of temptation. Don't stop coming. Yeah. Been there, done that. Don't give up. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And the fact that you feel bad about it or convicted is God working in your life. But if it leads to shame and condemnation, you're under the law of sin and death, which was never meant to be. Jesus already died to set you free from that. I don't see any of your failures from your past, none of it. I could probably try and I could probably say it all. But the truth is I see who you're called to be, destiny. I see the destiny that God has for your life. Now you have to see it, but don't give up. God loves you. You have a call, it's not too late. You're beautiful and radiant. It doesn't matter. God can wash it all away and forgive you in an instant. You know that, right? Just take it. Just receive it. All you got to do is say yes. Keep pressing and don't give up. And so what I want to make sure you guys understand is that they were crying out, Jesus, save us from this crazy world system, corrupt government, crazy pandemics, crazy people, and all the oppression and persecution. I know some people like that. All they're thinking about is the rapture. Rapture now, rapture now, rapture now. Take me home, take me home. Oh, look at all those people. I just wish Jesus would hurry up and come back. Now I want Jesus to come back and I wanna be saved out of the pedophiles and the prostitution and all that. I want Jesus to save this world out of it. But my heartbeat isn't, God, just deliver me from it because if all your prayers is deliver me from that, you will never deliver the people around you. Do you understand? God put a call inside of you to set the captives free. And if he hasn't come back yet, which he hasn't for the second time, he's got a job for you to do. He's shining his glory through you. He wants to save the people you hate the most. Fill in the blank of who you don't like. We need to be saved from our own corrupt heart. That's the better Hosanna. Hosanna, save me from my evil, wicked heart. All that lust, all that desire to take from other people, and it's all about me, me, my needs, what I want, my comfort, my money, taken from you what's not rightfully mine, entitlement, Save me from me. What makes me unhappy to run to drugs and alcohol? Save me from that. Save me from what's making me check out. That's what we need to be saved from. Otherwise, we'll crucify Jesus in our hearts and others with our actions. You have to prepare your hearts in advance for what true Christianity actually looks like and what he's returning for. Yeah, I want deliverance from all that. But what I really, really long for is that I would understand what I'm called to do. And if I don't, I'm gonna be deceived thinking I'm good when I'm not. God, none of y'all are good. Now, you can do good, but if you think you're good, you're gonna miss what God really did on the cross. God doesn't want you to be good. He wants you to be spiritual. Does he want you to do good? Yes. I know this flips some of your switches. It doesn't mean that you have a bad heart per se. Many of you are, are like, you're good people, but if you think you're good, it's a deceptive lie because nobody's good. Only the Father in heaven's good. Jesus yes. said that. Yes. So when we're submitted to the Spirit, God makes us to do good and we become everything he's called us to become. We have to deal with our own heart in true repentance and loneliness, hence the donkey. I know a lot about donkeys. Burros. 
I have three burros, three donkeys. We rescued them. Well, we were given them, but the, the, the owner couldn't take care of them anymore. And so Reuben and I drove up to Midland, Texas to rescue these donkeys. And the mom had been abused. The mother donkey is about four, and she has two babies that are three and two, not babies anymore. But uh, So we rescued these three donkeys to protect our livestock from the coyotes at the end of Walden Road. Yeah, lots of coyotes out there and mountain lions and lions and tigers and bears. <laughs> so we get these donkeys. There's a problem with these donkeys. The mom was abused, so she won't ever let us touch her, ever. If you even get close, she jumps and runs away. The other two are somewhat friendly if they're in a good mood that day. You never know from one day to the next. One day, they let us hug them, love them. The next day, you get close. Nope, I'm not talking to you today. <laughs> and then because we didn't raise these donkeys and they don't know us, if you ever walk up with anything in your hand, it doesn't matter if it's a water bottle, let alone some clippers and hoof trimmers and a syringe to vaccinate them <laughs> or some ointment for their ears. If they see anything in your hand, they run the other way as fast as they can. Donkeys have an incredible memory. They're very sensitive and they're very smart. If a donkey was hurt and abused, it remembers that and it never lets itself get into that situation again. And because we can't really accurately take care of them, that's a problem. We need hours a day to take care of them and throw in kids and all the other stuff in our life we're just, it's hard. It's hard right now. But guess who the donkey is? Now I'm not calling y'all donkeys. <laughs> but guess who can have real issues from their past, not want to be taken care of, afraid of abuse? There's a reason why Jesus rode on a donkey. Don't kid yourself. Those donkeys have to be broken. You know how you, not broken, like you break, in a sense, break their spirit, yeah. but break their strong will. Yeah. Some of you are incredibly strong-willed and stubborn as all get out. I mean, to no end stubborn. <laughs> We're like the donkey. When Jesus just wants to trim our hair, take care of our hooves, Give us the true medicine from heaven to our soul that we need. Heal our broken past. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing because he was coming on another mission. It wasn't time yet for him to reign the way that they saw the Messiah to reign. And so when Jesus didn't do what they thought he should do, guess what they were saying? You're a liar. And we subtly say that about Jesus many times in our own hearts, that he's a liar. God does things his way, his time. You stay the course and love him and keep your eyes on him always. Worship, get in the word, don't back down, don't give up, stay in community and stay flamed on. And today we're gonna to talk about more about what it means to stay flamed on and to have reservoir and be full at all times. Because if you're not, you'll be like the five foolish virgins and here comes the shout of the bridegroom and I have no extra. Right. I was doing all the right things though. Mm -hmm. I had a lamp mm -hmm. and it had some fire but I didn't have an extra supply to make it through the night. And the night is coming, folks. Yeah. The night's coming. And I want you to be full, 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 and in love like never before. That's what I want for you, okay? So this is how we wrap up the wisdom of preparation. It's how we wrap it up. Now, a lot of things are gonna happen in the next, next six days, all right? One thing I want to show you, lots of things are going to happen, okay? Jesus is going to weep in a garden. He's going to be tried six times, six times, six times before he's finally crucified. He's going to teach on love, endurance. He's going to give some incredible parable teaching. He's going to, he's going to institute the new covenant at the Last Supper, right? He's going to be betrayed. He's going to heal a centurion's ear because one of his disciples cut it off. I mean, all these things happen between Palm Sunday and the crucifixion. He'll pray earnestly in the garden, all kinds of things. But I want to show you something in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13. As soon as Jesus rode in town, he goes right to the temple. 
he rides to the temple. And when he gets to the temple, he gets pretty ticked off and does this final thing. He waits all the way until he seals the deals. Like, man, I've loved you. I've done this thing. But now all this corrupt stuff in your heart, I'm going to flip these tables over and I'm going to remind you that you're called to be a house of prayer. He said to them, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you made a den of thieves. You know, when I read this, what I think about, not so much this house, though I want this house to be a house of prayer. This house. Because if my house is not a house of prayer, constant communion, I'm a thief. I learned that in July with my encounter where I cared more about what you could do for me and I was a fool and I was selfish and worried about what other people think and I worked all these angles. I preached it for nine straight weeks, told on myself. Some of you might remember in July, July and August. But the biggest thing I realized is that your house should be called a house of prayer. Otherwise, we have it as a den of thieves. And I don't want this to be a den of thieves. You guys are safe here. I can't speak for every other church. What I can tell you is I'm not concerned about how much money you do or don't give. I'm not concerned about numbers. I'm concerned about you growing and being healthy because if you do, you'll give and we'll all prosper understand? If I get you healthy, we win. And you'll reproduce and people naturally come. If you do the kingdom right, we will grow. We don't have to worry about numbers and marketing campaigns and recognition and the latest, greatest, coolest, hippest, just walk in power. Get get your house, blow up your den of thief. Blow it up. Trust me. Start to see when you were going out carousing at the clubs and and working angles for the drugs or whatever it was or hooking up with hookups and all those Tinder dates. It was about you. Think about it. It was about me. I wanted to get, fill in the blank. So I I want my house to be a house of prayer. Let's say this together. Say, Lord, make my house, beat your chest a little bit. Come on. A house of prayer. Prayer is not just confession and petition. It's communion. It's less talking and more listening. All right? So there was this constant question in the disciples' minds, no matter what was happening, before Jesus was crucified and after Jesus resurrected in Acts 1. Matthew 24, Acts 1. Is this the time? Are you finally going to set us free from the Roman oppression, corrupt governments, all the craziness in this world, and what's going to be your sign so that we're really knowing and looking and watching? So let's look at that, and let's look at Jesus' response, because it's really important when it comes to how you prepare your heart. Matthew 24, verse 3. Later, when they arrived at the Mount of Olives, his disciples came privately to where he was sitting and said, tell us, will these things, tell us when these things will happen. And what signs should we expect to signal your coming and the completion of this age? So the word completion of this age or the end of the world, the new King James says, really means the transition into the Messiah's kingdom. That's what that means. Not like when is the nuclear bombs gonna go off and we're all gonna die. It's really when will the final rule and reign of your kingdom come and what signs should we be looking for? And then actually in Acts chapter one, which we'll talk about at Pentecost, that when Jesus said, I'm gonna pour out my spirit and baptize you and fill you all up with the Holy Spirit, they said, oh, is this now the time that you're finally gonna restore the kingdom? He says, it's not for you to know the times. Now, I do often wonder, Lord, how much more can you take? Don't you ever wonder that? How much more abuse and dysfunction and hurt and pain and tears and dying and pedophiles and, and addiction and people numbing out and dying and suicide and all that. When, Lord, when? And God still says, it's not for you to know the time because I got a job for you to do until that time happens. I'm gonna fill you with the Spirit so you can be a better witness. Come here, come out in Jesus' name. And we worship and sing and enjoy his presence and beauty and radiance and set captives free and preach the gospel. That's now. That's now. Everybody say, that's now. It's now. So Jesus answered in verse four. At that time, deception is going to run rampant. I feel like deception's already running rampant. 
do you kind of just wonder who in the world can you trust and believe? Because I really feel like most of the time, anything I'm seeing in the news is lying to me. It's hard to believe what anybody's saying in the government. I think deception's running more rampant than it's ever ran, ever. And Jesus is saying, newsflash, more's coming. But here's the greater deception to watch for. Many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I'm the anointed one and they're gonna lead many astray. I don't want you led astray. No false gospels, no lies, no deception, no weird religious beliefs, no wives' tales. I don't want any of that. And many people are gonna rise up and say, I have the answer or I'm the one. There's a guy in Miami right now saying he's the Messiah. It's been going on for a long time. Long time. How deceived can somebody be? The guy's got 666 tattooed on his neck. That's how deceived people will become. Wednesday night, Supernormal Natural, I talked about psychics. I talked about tarot card readers and astrologers. And I told a story of me sitting in front of a psychic. And I did a whole thing on psychics. If you missed it, you can go listen to it on our YouTube or Facebook page. Last Wednesday night, Supernormal Natural. It was incredible. It was awesome. And I highly recommend you all come this coming Wednesday. It's gonna be great. And so I talked about psychics and the deception with psychics because many times they'll even use the name of Jesus and say, oh yeah, I believe too. And they ultimately lead you astray. But if it doesn't bring true life and transformation on the inside, because only Jesus can save you. There's only one savior. And there's a clear distinction between the liars and the one. Amen. It's, you'll be deceived if you don't understand and you're not born again and you're not spirit-led. So get born again. Know what I'm teaching you. Jesus said, here's the signs. He's gonna show it to you in a minute. Here's a bunch of signs. But don't get deceived. Don't get troubled. Don't go astray. Don't believe the lies. Stop looking around for every other answer. There's only one man. His name is Jesus. One savior, his name's Jesus. There's no other truth. There's no other gospel. It's him and him alone. And if it doesn't point you to Jesus, it's a deceptive lie. So don't get sidetracked by the smooth talkers. You'll know the truth in your spirit. Surrender to the Lord and the Holy Spirit will show you. This is, you ever get that feeling? Something's not right there. You ever meet religious people? It's like, let me, where are you? Am I right? So take down the religious facade, bro. Yeah. Just, be, just be who God's called you to be. Just be real. So Jesus says, oh, here's some signs, okay? Wars and rumors of wars, nations against nations, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, pestilence, horrible pandemics, famines everywhere. Greater persecution, that's why be like a tree planted by the river of living water. Get deep roots now, deep water, nourishment, fertilizer, deep by the presence of God and in the house of God. Greater persecution and hatred. They're gonna kill you, murder you, lie about you. If they hated me, they're gonna hate you. We're not seeing so much of that right now, but I really do believe the day's gonna come. People being offended, betrayed, and hating one another, we're already seeing that lawlessness and cold hearts. But in the midst of all, now, I wanna point out one other quick thing to you. Don't get so sidetracked by the signs. There have been wars and rumors of wars for thousands of years. It's just increasing, nation against nation. It's happening, and it's increasing. Jesus didn't say, here's what he didn't say. Now, there's a far-off country in the east, and there's Russia, there's these countries, Russia, Iran, and um, China, that are all going to come together, and they're going to become this great world power, and then the United States, there's this country, the United States, or a country in the east going to rise up, there's going to be this great World War III, and they're all going to come against Israel, and Israel's going to be a cup of trembling, and da-da-da, he didn't say all that. You know what he said? He said, here's a bunch of signs to watch out for. But more importantly than the signs, 
more importantly than heavy-duty eschatology is Matthew 24, 6. You're gonna hear wars and, and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come, but don't panic or give in to your fears. Let's say that together. Say, I'm not gonna panic or give in to my fears. And he says, look, the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen. But it's still not the end. It's just unfolding. There's a whole lot of unfolding going on right now. That's what I believe about President Trump. I believe Trump was more of a sacrifice to reveal the deception and bring about the unfolding so that now all of our eyes are open much more than before. Some of y'all are so mad, but maybe God used him and is still using him the way that he's supposed to use him. Maybe there's more to come. It's not about your personal preference or likes. It's about kingdom biblical standards. And unless Jesus is running on the ticket, you have to really be spirit-led and pick the guy that's standing more for the biblical values. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. So God used him mightily for a purpose. And you have to understand that God doesn't want you to fall into fear. There's an unfolding. There's a dismantling that's happening. Look at Matthew 24, verse 13 and 14. This is all Jesus answering the first question. When are the signs and what should I be looking for? He who endures to the end will be saved. You need endurance. Let's say, I need endurance. endurance. You need stamina. This is why we pray and fast. It's why we come to church. It's why we read our Bibles. It's why we worship. It's why I hang out with you. It's why I come on Wednesday nights when a lot of times I don't want to. It's why I press hard. It's why I build friendships with people deep. It's why I hang out with people that I may not like in the natural, but God says I'm I'm to do that. It's none of (laughs) y'all. It's none of y'all. It's none of y'all. You need endurance. Everybody say, I need endurance. endurance. The night's coming, y'all. Come on. Woo! Your head's not tails. Your cup's full. In the presence of your enemies, he prepares the table. Let's say, how about let's do this? Here's a fun one. Say this, say, Lord, prepare my table in the presence of my enemies and let my cup overflow. Why? Because when your cup's overflowing, your enemies will get saved. So the end's not yet, endure to the end. Look at verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So what's he saying? You got a job to do. Gospel, nations, witness. And you may do that different ways. It may not be through crazy, wild evangelism. It may be through how you live your life to your neighbor, to your kids. The greater point is, is you're more concerned about the end and God's more concerned about doing what you're supposed to do so the end can come. I've taught you this so many times that dismantling's happening, but God wants to make you glorious. He wants a glorious church. And he wants to save those that we don't like. And I'm praying, God, I really don't like that person. It's the truth. I'm just saying it's the truth. I don't like what they're doing. Help me to love them. Help me to love them. I can see the deception everywhere. There's deception everywhere. Media, White House, all over the place. That deception has been there a long time. It's just being made way more manifest now than it's ever been. So everybody say, I have a job to do. In fact, I taught this a while back. The more you do your job in the kingdom and become what you're supposed to become, you'll hasten the day. See, Jesus didn't even know the hour. Only the Father knew the hour. And he said, actually, the more you do what you're supposed to do, you'll make a hastening of him coming back. And we can stop finally, because I long for the day where no tears, no crying. I long for the day no more child abuse, no more divorce, no more heartbreak, no more hurt, no more all the stuff that we've ever done fully, completely finished. I long for that. 
Don't you? So Jesus, I'm going to conclude with two, two sections of scripture and then we're going to pray. Jesus would give two, one parable about 10 virgins and it's like a parable. It's more a story about two classes of people in this time. Faithful stewards, servants and unfaithful steward servants. People that are actually in position, they're still servants They have been entrusted. When you give your life to Jesus, God puts you into a position to be a great leader. But we have to be found faithful and we all have to start somewhere, all right? And so let's look at this first quick one. Matthew 24, verse 45. What would qualify a servant to manage his master's house? It's a good question. What qualifies somebody? He would be a wise servant who's both faithful and dependable. Let's say, God, make me faithful. Make me dependable. The master would commission him to oversee others. Just, you gotta really chew on this. This is so good. When you're faithful and dependable, guess what the Lord does? He commissions you to oversee others. Why? Because you would lead well and give them food at the right time. I want to lead well and give you food at the right time, both in the spirit and natural. I want to feed you the right things spiritually, but I also want to be able to provide for you in the natural. So faithful and dependable leaders always are entrusted with more. So be faithful and dependable even with the little that you have. Even if you have nothing, you can be faithful and dependable with where you're at. Start right now. Start with your heart. In fact, it all starts here. Once you start here, God starts to give you more. Yes. And some of us are very upset that we don't get the more, but the truth is, is God say, yeah, you're not ready for the more because the more will kill you. Amen. It's like some, I'll tell, say this this way. Everybody that's single here, you really want an awesome family and an awesome husband or awesome wife? Are you already an awesome husband and an awesome wife? And if you're not, stay in love with Jesus and grow so you have something profound and beautiful and wonderful to offer to your spouse. God, what's taking so long? I don't want, I'm tired of being lonely. And he says, the problem is, is every time you break up with someone, three days later, you're with somebody else. So I can't help but look at some of you, but you, you know I'm talking about you, but it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Sorry, it's like a whole lot of you here. And there's no, let's just laugh about it. I mean, seriously, I did it too, right? Okay, I did it too. But maybe Jesus really does want to become your first love. Because the greatest thing you can offer to a spouse is to be full and to be in love with with him. It's the best thing you can give to someone. So prepare now. Shut down the dating sites. Some of you need to get off social media. Change your phone number. Sell your house. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what you got to do. Move to a new apartment. Get out while you can. <laughs> Verse 46. Marlene really liked that word. She really liked that word. What joy and blessing will come to the faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with what? There's an excellence. Show up on time. Serve. Give. Lay your life down. Be faithful with what God's given you. Stop being late. This isn't, you're not volunteering. You're an able minister. The kingdom of God's even more important than the world system. If you can't learn excellence here, and that's the way our leaders should lead so that you can lead that way. Get plugged in, get connected, serve somewhere, and be on time and take it serious and submit to someone. We'll all grow strong. I did it. That's how I got here. I can promise you, this is Jesus talking, I can promise you, the master will raise him up and put him in charge of all he owns. Did you know that it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? John 6. It's his good pleasure. He wants to give you the kingdom. And when he finds faithful and dependable servants, he says, oh, you've done such a good job. Take it all. God isn't, he's not 
a narcissist. But we can see God as a narcissist. It's all about him. Well, it is, but he makes it about us because when he gives it away, then it comes back to him. So he died for us, but it's not all about us. So there's this unique dynamic where he's like, I love you enough to die for you, but now you die and I'll give it all away to you because I'll actually get it back. You never give something away ultimately without getting it back in one way or another. It's a law. You reap what you sow. Stop seeing when you give money as I'm just haphazard and I know the church needs it. No, this isn't about that. God will take care of us. This is about you investing into your own future and trusting and planting and sowing and giving so that God says, oh, faithful and dependable. Take it all. Take it all. That's the good news. But there's another kind of person that I have to talk about today. It's verse 48. But the evil servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming. And who knows when he's going to return? And because of the delay, the servant mistreats those in his master's household. Instead of caring for the ones appointed to serve, he, abuse, he abuses the other servants and begins to party with the drunkards. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be in the reggae club, dancing a dance hall, and had a few too many margaritas, or shacked up in the bed with the wrong person, and the trumpet's going to sound. That's enough for me to be sobered up and ready. (laughs) I'm only preaching to myself, by the way. I've been in that bed and I've been in that bar as a Christian. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 99 bottles of beer on the wall. 99, why do I want to sing that right now? (laughs) Thank you, bro. It was awesome. (laughs) Oh, man. He begins to party with the drunkards. And when his master comes unexpectedly... And he will remove the abusive selfish servant from his position of trust. You got to see that. You're in a position of trust now. So why would you get frustrated with the delay in his coming and begin to abuse others? Now, let's think about that abuse. We think whip them, beat them. Here's abuse. I robbed from your purity because I wanted a hookup. I watched you online. I got you intoxicated, but with the wrong thing. Hence, they went to party with the drunkards. But here's the deeper-rooted thing. The reason why they would get frustrated in his delay, because it seems a little ambiguous, here's what God showed me. The way we would all get frustrated with his delay and his coming is because I'm not watching. I'm looking at the world. So now I'm, instead of, see, many of us are worried about what's coming instead of who's coming. Or we're watching for what's, instead of who's coming. So I would get frustrated in my delay if I'm constantly focusing on all the problems of the world and world and he's delayed and he's not coming and he said he would, but he didn't. And here I gave him my clothes and my palm branches, but he still didn't do what I thought he should do. Are you guys catching this? Am I tying it together for you? And so now I begin to beat and abuse God's own people. And then when a super hot, broken stripper walks in this church, the young, hot, broken, ex-drug addict guy has her in bed the next night. It's a problem. I'm telling you, now is the time to get your hearts right because God's gonna bring the strippers, the drug dealers, the prostitutes, the hurting, the broken, the shamed, the outcast, every single broken, hurting person, the, the transgenders, the gay couples, the Democrats, 
and the Republicans, and the Republicans, just to clarify, because there's a lot of broken Republicans. They're all going to come. They're going to sit next to you. And if you've done that to somebody here, I forgive you. I just want you all to know that, because I've done it. I did it. And I don't want you to do it because it's destructive. And I don't want you to, I don't want any of us to lose our positions of trust. Okay? There's mercy and grace and forgiveness. Don't give up, don't back down. Live in the light. That's the best thing I can tell you. Just confess it all. Man, I would, you wouldn't believe what I did. Come here. I want to wring your neck, but I love you. Proud of you. Thanks for bringing it to the light. Because if you could even confess it, God was working in your heart. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! All right. I'm going to leave you with this. Okay? This is very important. I'm not going to read to you the parable of the, of the ten virgins. You all can go read it on your own in Matthew 25. I've taught it a hundred times. I love it so much. Five foolish, five wise. Here's what I want to tell you. So Jesus is still answering the question posed by the disciples in Matthew 24, verse three. He's still answering it. In all that I just read you, this is all part of his answer. And he talks about these virgins. All of them were doing the right thing. They were pure. All of them were in waiting. All of them had a lamp. All of them had a fire. And all of them had oil. But only five of them had a reservoir to make it through the night and had extra, while the other five doing all the right things. Think about it. I'm doing everything right, going to church, all the right religious motions, read my Bible. You can do all that and miss the more God has for you. I don't want you to stop doing those things, but this is the thing. If you aren't full of the Holy Spirit and at all times, we're not gonna make it through the night. You have to have an overflowing fullness. Remember Ephesians 5.18? I quoted it earlier. Don't be drunk with wine, but be full with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You know what the word filled means? It means I'm, I'm full, I'm filled to max capacity. You can't put any more in me. Not only that, but I'm overflowing to give away to you, Right? But when, the, five, when uh, the virgins made it through part of the night, they only had enough to make it through the rest. So at that time, when the trumpet sound came, you couldn't go buy it from anybody or go get it. And you couldn't uh, get more of your own or I couldn't give you away what I had. I may be able to give you away what I have now. You can get more now, buy from him now. But when the trumpet comes, there's no, let me run and buy some more and give me what you have. You have to take personal responsibility because the day's coming. And don't fall into the deceptive lie of being good. That's what I want to show you. Don't fall into that deceptive tri lie of being religious. I don't need good old religious Christians. I need you full of life and wonder and authenticity, filled with the Spirit. Worship your faces off. Many times I'm up here in the front worshiping so that I can sing loud so that I'm not distracting everybody because I don't sing that good. But number two, because I don't want to be distracted by what you are and aren't doing because it's time for me to come and worship with the Lord. And no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, I worship like there's no tomorrow because I need a full cup because many times I come in here empty and there's days I feel empty. And there's days I'm on a reserve. Days can be hard and difficult, but God has an endless supply now. So what it means is every day, the word filled is past, uh, now, and future tense. Present and future tense. Filled is filled all the time. Fill, 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 fill. Don't live on my prophetic word from a supernatural six years ago, and that's the last time I had an encounter from God. You need an encounter right now, Destiny. You know that, right? God's coming face to face with you because he loves you and he cares about you. We all need encounters. Otherwise, I'm a whitewashed tombstone. 
Lots of good religion, lots of good principles, but no life and no power. And that's why we come for altar calls. It's why we have people pray for us. It's why we show up on special times where we're gonna fellowship and worship and prayer, the prayer times. I want God to do whatever he wants to do. If he drops a nuclear bomb in this place and we all fall out on the ground shaking and crying out to God in repentance for a year and revival hits, so be it. Whatever God wants to do, however God wants to do it, I don't care. I just want it to be God. If God's saying it, it doesn't matter what I say or what you say. But perilous days lie ahead, friends. Beloved, now's the time to know Jesus the King. There's no greater time than now. And I don't know when, where, or what it's gonna look like, but you know what I know? There's no time for preparation when promotion comes. And some of you need to enter into your process. Some of you need to get born again, just surrender all. Been living in the intellect and questioning God and questioning his ways and living on your past religious traditions and you just can't compute. You can't make the synaptic connection. Good father, but you had a bad father. So I can't compute the two because when you say father, it triggers me because all I think about is bad dad. But he's a dad that you never had. When I say surrender all to Jesus, you think crazy religious lifestyle, like however you were raised if it was dysfunctional. Now's the time to go all in. Now's the time to get roots. Now's the time to prepare. Now's the time to keep your lamp full. And guess what? If you stay at Rock City, we are always about full lamps. Always. We're gonna be doing baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's time. If you're not baptized in water, this Wednesday, you could get both. You never know what God will do. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it flames you on. It takes you into the more. It gets you more hungry. It gets your eyes and it makes you a greater witness. And now you get a prayer language and prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom so that you can see things, process things, and understand things better than you did before. Go all in. All in. I want you all praying in the Spirit. I prayed more in the Spirit this last week because the truth is, is half the time I don't know what to pray or what to say. So I'm just, it's my personal prayer language. And man, I, I'm feeling down and five minutes later, I'm like, yeah. And what happened? I prayed in the spirit. Come on, y'all. It's time. The time is now. So let's all stand. Let me have every prayer partner come up. Thanks to everybody that's been watching on our live stream. And uh, we're going to have an altar ministry now. I'd like to ask that nobody leave, please. This is an important time. Let's close our heads for... and close our, <laughs> Some of you need to close your heads. Yes, that's right. Close your head. Shut your brain off, please. No. Bow your head and close your eyes. This is why, because we're going to have a moment of introspection, not because I don't want you to see what's happening, just a moment of introspection. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to rehearse these in your mind. Have I given everything to Jesus? You just ask yourself that. Do I know that I'm born again? Do I need a new life? Have I been depressed and running to the things of this world? Have I been abusing God's people? Do you need to repent? Been angry, selfish, focused on the things of this world. Is your cup empty? You've been frustrated at his delay. If that's you, I want you to start making your way up to the front and let somebody pray for you. If you're hurting, broken, sick, come on, guys, you know you. Come make your way up here right now. Every prayer partner up here can lead you to the Lord. Every prayer partner up here can pray for you and prophesy over you and comfort you. If this message resonated with you today and I, if I was reading your mail, then make your way up to the front because God was talking to you. I'm just gonna wait in this moment right now. Let God speak to you. 
you've been angry at God, been angry at your spouse, feeling far from the Lord. been running to the the things of this world, alcohol and drugs. And just wait up here while people are praying. If that's you, we're we're not going to rush out of here. We'll take a few extra minutes today. If you've been good but not spiritual, make your way up. Somebody pray for you. through the motions. I'll pray with you. It's right, right there. We're going to continue in this atmosphere. If you need healing in your body, whatever it is you need, come on up. And I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to have you guys pray with me, all right? Say, Lord, fill my cup. God, I'm sorry for running on empty, doing things my own way. Lord, I want to know you for who you really are. Come on, pray this with me. Lord, I want to know you for who you really are. I don't want to get frustrated and have my eyes on the wrong things. Show me what really matters, Lord. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us for not being diligent, not being faithful not running with excellence. Help us, Jesus. Have mercy, God. Have mercy. Have mercy in this house today. for being selfish, Lord. Using others for my own gain. Help me, Lord. To love the way you loved, give the way you gave. Lord, I thank you, God, that we won't have a form of religion, but we'll have real power. Show yourself strong in this place, God. I thank you, Jesus, for everybody that's here and that keeps coming and the new people. I bless you. I bless your life. Speak life to you, healing to you, hope and a future to you. And I pray, God, that you'd protect everyone as they go. And as we pray, Lord, show up in these prayers and bring healing and freedom to everyone that's praying. We love you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com give.